You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to Flipping Tables, episode 92. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons, and this week Mike is still off with his family, but we have, again, of Eclectic Readers Book Club fame, Susan Guesting. Yay, hello, I am back. And uh, we got some really excellent follow-up from one of our listeners and new Patreon supporters, uh, Christoph, who shared some thoughts on uh, ways books could be delivered to maybe uh, make it a little bit more profitable, kind of spread it out, and... Uh, Christoph, I hate to tell you this, but they've actually been selling books by the chapter uh, for always. <laughs> so here, here's, here's the idea he shared. Um, kind of like the way Telltale does games, right? You buy like a chapter at a time, or you could buy a season pass, and then as each chapter is released, you get that chapter, and then, and then eventually you have the whole book. Um, now, I've read a lot of science fiction that way because it used to be published that way in magazines. You know, you get like a chapter at a time. Um, a lot of my favorites, like Ender's Game, was originally published as a short story, like in chunks. But you said, who did some famous author you said published that way? Um, yeah, a lot of classic writers, um, their stuff was published that way, chapter by chapter. I think I think Charles Dickens was released like that. But a lot of other classic writers had to release their stuff chapter by chapter in a circular. And was that the preferred way? Was it because they couldn't get book deals? Or is it because they could charge more if they, like, dripped it out? Do you have any idea? No, I can guess that it was super expensive to print a whole book. So to have their stuff printed a chapter at a time on a newspaper was maybe cheaper. Oh, so when you say a circular, you mean literally like in the paper? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be... Well, I mean, I guess I didn't. I don't read the newspaper. I never read the newspaper, <laughs> but I can't imagine being like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next in this story. I'm going to open the newspaper. Yeah, or like week. a magazine, yeah. but I mean, yeah, that's how they did it back in the day. That's. I don't like that. That's weird. <laughs> I, I want to just buy a book. So would you... If, if there was an author you really loved and that's how they released their stuff, would you wait till it was all released or would you do chapter by chapter? I will most likely do chapter by chapter. Um, unless it turns out to be bad, then I'll make, wait. Because there been a few times where there's an author that I really liked. I'd read another series and it's not as good. And so I'm like, oh, I don't want to read this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be the same if chapter by chapter it's like okay this is kind of lagging and slow then I'll probably just put it down and wait for the book to come out so what would be the incentive if you already aren't enjoying it what's the incentive to then get the whole thing and and then not enjoy it faster like what are you going for there you can skim the parts you remember okay and just kind of see mm-hmm. is this getting any better mm-hmm uh, see, this <laughs> but is I mean, it take forever. <laughs> this is exactly why I'm super picky about what I read because I don't like to put a book down. Yeah. So I want a ton of good recommendations so I can just read it, start to finish, and be done with it. I would hate to get halfway into a book and be like, oh, I'm not really enjoying it. I don't. I'm I'm aware of the sunk cost fallacy. Like I know how that works, but with a book, I'm just like, oh, 
I came this far. Well, I mean, Asia still does it with their comic books. Um, they well, sell them with, through anthologies. America also releases comic books. No, they do, but they don't do it by <laughs> analogies. They do it issue by issue. Anthologies? Yes. <laughs> An anthology. <laughs> it's where there are, I don't know, a half dozen different comics that are chapters. Oh, like all smashed together? In one thick book, like Shonen Jump. Yeah. That's oh. an anthology. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Yes. No, we really don't do no. that. No. Huh. But Asia still does that with their new stuff. Yeah. They they put they release by chapter by chapter through an anthology, and then when this whole series is done or as they're um, when they're far into it, then they'll put it into a graphic novel, which is what Americans are familiar with because we do that here after issues are released. Well, and so something I never really thought of because I I'm the graphic novel person. Like <laughs> I wait and I want the one six pound book mm-hmm. that, that has like three years worth of printing in it and. I never really thought about it, but it would be weird to sit down and say like, okay, I'm going to read a chapter of, uh, you know, one piece and then a chapter of Dragon Ball Z and then a chapter of of whatever. But Mm -hmm. the minute I started thinking through that, I was like, oh, no, that's exactly like watching Saturday morning cartoons. Yes. So actually, it's not that weird. (laughs) No. It's just it's reading Saturday morning cartoons. It's basically an episode. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, I like I'm logically I'm I'm totally clear on how this works and yet because I have no firsthand experience with it it feels awkward. <laughs> I'm just like I don't want to read a comic like that. I want to read like the whole story all at once. But to be fair, um Shonen and uh what's the other one? What's the uh Shoujo I gosh, I can't remember. It's been a while. Yeah, one is like one's comics for directed girls. boys yep, and yeah, one's comics for boys. And they do tend to be like eight thousand chapters long mm-hmm. so you wouldn't really sit down and read it all at once even if it was in one big book you're talking like dozens of hours of reading oh you mean the anthology yeah oh yeah there'll be there'll probably be a comic that you don't like you po- just skip that whole chapter I, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i get i mean i read a lot of comics and manga in, in college and i just never read them that way so mm-hmm. this seems like such an awkward way to read but to be fair on the other side like on the domestic the american domestic side of things i also never really read um like like weekly prints or bi-weekly oh, issues yeah. even though those are contained stories they're usually part of like a larger story mm-hmm. um to me if i'm going to sit down and read a comic i want to read like kingdom come or <laughs> like house of m or civil war which was like a con- totally contained story and even though it's mentioned later and it's referenced and it's prefaced earlier like i just want the but those came out in issues too yeah but i didn't read them that way oh that's what so i mean I it's like i way. never read <laughs> comics that way well i mean civil war came out i think i read it in uh they blocked it by character yeah so it was like civil war wolverine and civil war you know cyclops and civil war spider-man so well there's main civil war no (laughs) because who cares (laughs) um there's main civil war and then there's the offshoots of different comics like i know there's one for runaways um and things like that so you can get like the periphery of the marvel universe of how it's affecting everybody right and that was what I thought was so cool about that series because mm-hmm. it's like here's the exact same story basically twenty times in a row, but from Wolverine's point of view, Spider-Man's mm-hmm. point of view, Captain America's point of view, and that's 
you know, if you have a rich and interesting world, you always want like more out of it. Mm -hmm. And that was a smart way for the writers to be like, let's write one story and then just milk the crap out of it, (laughs) which is what comics are like really good at. Yep. Um, so sorry, Christoph, they already have that idea, but good news is it's successful. So (laughs) your idea was a good one. No, Um, it is. It is. And then, uh, he had some other feedback about how you could use the, our, our brilliant multi-million dollar Kindle idea (laughs) and like how he wanted to even take that a step further and do things like, uh, NFC, like book sharing where you could walk up to someone else with a Kindle and like they're, uh, reading a book that you saw on our multi-million dollar patent pending idea and then, uh, be like, Oh, that's a cool book. And you could like smash the back of your Kindles together. (laughs) Don't smash it. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and then that would let you share books. Um, and I think, uh, that kind of thing is probably stuff like that might happen eventually. Um, Android for years has tried the physical gesture thing. Um, you may not even know this, but your phone has built in a feature called Android beam. Nope. Yeah. No, cause, <laughs> cause you'll never ever use it. You've never seen me use it. You've never seen anyone use it. Um, it's had like three different names, but basically you take two Android phones and you put them both into like beam mode and then you smack them together and I can like send you a file or I can send you someone's contact information. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It's had like a couple different iterations, but it's basically the same idea of like two phones are physically near each other. So let's just let them wirelessly send data. Can't you do that with a Game Boy? Uh, wirelessly? Mm Mm-hmm. You mean like one of the newer Game Boys? Well, yes. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Well, the old ones you could with a with a wire. Yeah, um, probably, but it, that's kind of restricted to the game. This yeah. is like like you can swap Pokemon, you know. Yeah, this is more like a generic file transfer. Right. So instead of like emailing you a photo, I can just like smash the back of your Moto G with my Galaxy, and it's <laughs> like okay, there now you have the photo. But I'm already so familiar with the steps of like putting something in Dropbox or emailing something that saying, okay, open Android Beam on your phone, (laughs) and I'll open it on my phone. Like, it's just way too many steps. Yeah. Um, Maybe book lovers, since I would presumably approach you while you're reading the book, then they might do the gesture thing. But I think it'd be a lot easier to be like, oh, I'm Lions in Beta on Goodreads. Just share the book with me on Goodreads when it's convenient. If you can share books, but you really can't. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, there's the family lending. Yeah, that's a good step, but I want to lend my books to friends. Right, not to random strangers. Yes. <laughs> okay, so here is something we didn't talk about. Because, I mean, you know, the whole ebook thing is it's deep and many layered. But you bring up a very good point. Uh, you would probably not, if you were sitting in a cafe reading War and Peace... You would probably not just hand that book to a stranger because you'd never see it again. Yeah. Right. So unless you were willing to literally give them that book, you don't want them to like mail it to you or show up at your house. Like, so you can't. (laughs) But if you could electronically lend a book to someone and then just like with a library loan, it automatically returns it to you, then you could lend books to strangers. Yeah, I would probably do that. Right? Because now they can come up to you and they could be like, oh, War and Peace, I've always wanted to read that. And you could be like, oh, I'm actually just finishing it. And smack your Kindles together or whatever. Do your rain dance. And (laughs) now they have it for, let's say, a month, whatever. I don't know. And then 
it ought, they can't share it with anyone else. You know, they're considered the sharer, so they can't, you know, share it to anybody else. And then when the time is up, it automatically deletes it off their thing. And then you're allowed to open it again. Yeah. I mean, I would totally be down for that. Yeah. Which means Amazon will probably never do that (laughs) because I just designed a way for individuals to loan books to each other. But that's what needs to happen. (laughs) Like there are a number of times in a book club where it's like, hey, does anybody have this book? I'm like, I do, but it's an ebook. So I can't share it with you. I'm sorry. Like, I'd have to give you a Kindle with that book on it for you to read it. You know, like I'd have to have a dedicated Kindle to lend out to my friends. Right. To read that book. Yeah. Which is, I mean, we had that problem. Like there mm-hmm. were a few books before Amazon added the family lending. Yep. Um, where it's like anyone on your prime family counts as a family member. You had a couple of books on your Kindle I wanted to read. And it was kind of like, oh, well, if I want to read this, I have to take your Kindle away from you. And the reason that that's weird is because it's like now I'm taking all of your books away. Yes, from you. all of the books. <laughs> like, while I'm holding that book, I essentially have all of your books, <laughs> which is like a weird. It's the inverse limitation of the Kindle holding all the books. Yep. So I don't know. Another thing that uh, Christoph mentioned, and I hope he's patenting some of these ideas. <laughs> you never know. He could always make a million dollars as a patent troll. Um, was the idea that uh, and this is right off the 3DS where you can, it, like the 3DS Street Pass. Yes. So mm-hmm. if you're sitting in a cafe, anyone nearby you who has a Kindle, you can see what they're reading. Like, oh, someone near you is reading War and Peace. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I keep picking War and Peace. I don't know why you think I'm that smart. <laughs> someone near you is reading The Hobbit. The Hobbit better? Yes. Okay. The, the Martian, is that topical? That's very topical. There you go. Okay. And also appropriate. <laughs> 45 people near you are reading The Martian because it has Matt Damon on the cover. And so, like, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. And then you could maybe, like, send them a message, like, person reading The Martian, raise your hand. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to come over and talk to you about The Martian. I don't know. but Impromptu book club. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the best idea ever. Oh, my God. That is amazing. <laughs> so you'd want within, like, 100 feet to know if anybody's reading the same book. Yes. And then you have an impromptu book club. That is an amazing idea. Okay. So... <laughs> Uh, we're recording this on a Sunday night, and hopefully we will have the patent filed by <laughs> Tuesday morning when this episode releases. <laughs> uh, can can you like grab a pad and write this down? Awesome. <laughs> okay, so uh, thanks for the additional multi-million dollar idea, Christoph. That's awesome. Um, so let's jump into the, the main topics of, of this episode. So uh, Comcast, it, we haven't, I don't think we've complained about Comcast in a few weeks. It's been a while, it's, actually. It's been a little while. Mm-hmm. Not because they haven't been doing crappy stuff, but you just, you know, you gotta like... You need a break. Yeah, you gotta let it recover a little before you go back to that horse and uh, with your bat. <laughs> <laughs> so recently in several markets, Comcast has started a data cap of 300 gigabytes. Uh, they... In some leaked documents uh, that I, I'll link to in the show notes that shows actual screenshots of these documents. And all this could be fake, I'm sure, but it doesn't seem unbelievable for Comcast. Uh, they're instructing their support people, um, don't ever call this a data cap, which, of course, you want them to use the most flowery language, right? Yeah. What irritates me is that they also said, don't say that this is about network congestion, parentheses, it's not. Like, it literally says in their training documentation, this isn't actually a technical limitation, so don't pretend that it is, because even we think that would be lying. <laughs> so, 
I guess that's like a step in the right direction of self-awareness for Comcast. Guess. <laughs> but so, you know, we're, we're cord cutters, mm-hmm. you know, so we watch a lot of Netflix. We watch a lot of Amazon. A lot of Hulu. A lot of Hulu. Um, stream podcasts and, yep. and all this kind of nonsense. Um, I love it. I think this is how television should be. If you have this 300 gigabyte cap, sorry, uh, 300 gigabyte data plan, <laughs> I think they call it, in your area, um, for every 50 gigs you go over, it's 10 bucks. Or you can just pay them 30 bucks and go back to having a capless plan. Would you say that you and I use an unusual amount of data? No. Right? You know, we stream shows. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we watch a little bit more during the day when most people are probably at work. Yeah, we're, you know, advantage of working remotely. <laughs> right. But, you know, a lot of people probably come home and they turn yeah. on Hulu or Netflix or whatever right away and then it runs all night. Oh, yeah, sure. They can probably easily put in five hours of TV. Yeah. Um how much data do you think our household used last month? The month of October. I, I don't know. 656 gigabytes. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and based on what they're talking about in overage fees, assuming they didn't cut us off when we hit 30 and then just say, okay, now everything after this is, and I don't really think Comcast is that generous, <laughs> but assuming they, they let us keep going 10 gigs every, or, $10 every 50 gigs, that would literally double our monthly bill. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. It, and, and I mean, the alternative is for our monthly bill to just go up $30, so a 50% increase. Yeah. That's really crappy. And and I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a network engineer. There's a lot about how the backbone works that I understand, like the general concepts, but there's some like deeper parts to it that are, are not within my wheelhouse. They admitted themselves this is not about network congestion, which means they are literally just A-B testing. Can we get people to pay more money for what we were already selling them? That's They're just awful. They are just awful. <laughs> and when we were talking about this, uh, I think earlier today or yesterday, um, I said if, if you are like a small business and you sell like handcrafted chairs and you realize after you've been selling them that you're not charging enough to like make your business keep running. That's because you just don't know how to price the, sure. what you make and how to value your time and the ancillary cost of business. This is not Comcast. They're literally one of the largest corporations on the planet. I mean, it's NBC universal Comcast. Like there, or did they spin off NBC? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they are still, they're definitely the largest teleco in the United States. I think they're the largest teleco on the planet. Mm-hmm. And they're one of the largest corporations on the planet. Something tells me they have a guy in finance. Probably more than. <laughs> yeah, who knows how to price the product so that the business can keep running. So if they're trying to just eke more money out of customers, it's not because they were underselling it before. Even their own admitted guilt aside, it's because they're just trying to squeeze more blood out of this turnip. Yeah, I think they realize that just a lot of people aren't aware of how much data they use. So they think that like in this way, 
they can squeeze out a little more money where people are like, oh, I actually use this much. Well, then I want to pay the extra $30 right. instead of the extra $300. And this is the thing is, you know, you and I both work from home. So we can't just say like, oh, well, we're going to protest and not have internet. Like we need it to do our jobs, mm-hmm. which means we would have to do the other thing. And like, there's a ban on Netflix and Hulu, like during working hours, like you can't have that background noise, you know, with the right. with the Daily Show running because that's literally costing us money. Mm-hmm. And I understand why they do this on wireless networks because there is a far lower amount of throughput that those wireless pipes can handle. Um, the pipes that are in the ground, <laughs> like the the cable that runs up to the house, and then the the fiber that that yeah. connects to in the backbone, can handle. Lots, 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 lots more than what we're throwing at it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is just the way we're going. Like, sorry, Comcast, you got into a business where people actually want your crappy product. Like, maybe tone down some of the stupid stuff you're doing and invest that money back into your infrastructure, and then everything will be great. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that anytime soon. Really doesn't feel that way, does it? <laughs> no. So I, I I hope I don't have to put a ban on background noise because it's nice to have the TV running, you know, while we're working. It's, yeah. It's it just changes things up. <laughs> I, I used to, I don't remember if I ever told you this, but several jobs ago, I worked in uh, an office where there was a, a desk. It was an open office and it, there was a desk way, way in the back. That just because the room, the way the room was shaped, there was like a pillar in the middle of the floor. He was like 20 feet from the next closest person. And uh, this this particular gentleman was not super uh, sociable, let's say. <laughs> so he had a small, honest to God, black and white television. Oh, my God. With like an antenna. You remember like you, used, you see like somebody doing construction? Yeah. And then, yeah, he had one of those. Oh, my God. Um, because he couldn't just be like streaming Netflix all day. Like <laughs> someone would notice the network congestion in, in our office. So, yeah, he, he would just watch like old sitcoms and like The Price is Right. Oh, that's funny. And he always got his work done. I, that, like, to me, that's all that matters, really. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a, a good employee. He got his work done. He just didn't want to talk to people, but he wanted like white noise. And so he just had like little like 90s foam headphones on (laughs) plugged into this little garbage television and he just watched it literally from the moment he sat down to the moment he left at the end of the day well that keeps him from burning the building down then (laughs) by all means yeah i don't honestly because we were in such a large department i don't really know what he did yeah Um, so i don't know if what he did was so boring that he could like actually watch these shows or if he just wanted the white noise. Right, right. Um, Cause his office was otherwise quiet. So I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt <laughs> and assume it was white noise and that he wasn't just like George Jetson, like uh, doing pushing button, button, yeah, pushing. button pushing. <laughs> um, so I, I've, 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 I've lived with you a long time. Yes. You know, <laughs> we've, we've got a long history of and I, <laughs> even outside of the podcasting universe. <laughs> And you've been in the same line of work and we're going to just say you, you work in the medical field. Yes. Um, I think I've said your job title before, but that's up to somebody else to go hunt down in a past episode. <laughs> and I've never said the name of the company you work for. Okay. And we're not going to say that now. Please don't. They're huge. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I had a, a revelation one day when you were talking about 
your software that you use for work Mm -hmm. that on flipping tables, Mike and I talk a lot about and some of the other guests we've had on, we've talked a lot about uh, this like terrible thing on the iPhone or this BS on Android or something we hate about Windows. And I realized that we are nitpicking and we know we're nitpicking, but compared to some of the software (laughs) (laughs) that is in the world that real people are using to do real work every day, man, we just have it so good. (laughs) So I would like to kind of open up the floor to you a little bit (laughs) to first tell us just a little bit about what the software is for and generally what kinds of things you have to do with it and then some of your feelings about it. (laughs) Um, Well... I've been in the medical field for a long time now, so I've used a variety of medical software. And they range from decent to really, really crappy. And would you, when you say decent, you mean like the way like Microsoft SharePoint is passable? <laughs> or you mean the way like you're like, yeah, it's fine. I don't mind using it. Yeah, no, it's fine. I don't mind using it. I think. In that case, it was that the company I was with at that time was really nitpicky and they really wanted specific things that it really wasn't designed for. So it's kind of their fault. (laughs) (laughs) That's common. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it would have been better other than that, but so it's decent. Um, And then going all the way down to kind of crappy, really awful, awful software is current job I'm working has the most awful software I have encountered <laughs> in all my life. It's, we're across the board. Just it's the worst. It's awful. Like the other ones I could deal with. They had certain glitches, which was fine. I can work through. Um, this is the buggiest, nitpickiest software I have worked with. Um, and me working remotely actually doesn't help with that. <laughs> Right. So you, uh, well, for one thing, the software you're using is not um, web-based. No. Right? Like most modern remote employees would probably use web-based software. It It's like half. Which is weirder. <laughs> so you're remoting into a desktop. There's like a fake desktop somewhere yes. that you're remoting into. Two. Two. Yes. Okay. Um, and then, so, and then it's launching like a full instance of windows pretty much. And you then have to like start menu, find the app. Yes. Oh, it does it automatically for me. (laughs) Oh, when you log in. Yeah. Oh, how quaint. Yeah. (laughs) So what, what kinds of, of issues, lack of polish, just, just rant. Oh my God. (laughs) It's just, even, even when I worked in the office, cause they're the, the company was kind enough to let me work remotely when I moved. Um, but even when I worked in the office, there were the same glitches that I have never seen in my life where, um, for example, if I did a typo in a window, an error message would pop up. A type, You mean like if you misspell a word? Or if I like hit the decibel and then tabbed so there's no number. Okay. So then it freaks out and breaks. And an error message comes up saying, like, you can't do that. That's not recognizable. You can't go back and put in the number. You have to close the window <laughs> and then open it back up again. 
So it's like you <laughs> spilled something on the floor of your kitchen, so you have to burn the house down yes. and build a new house. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and so you're remoting in. When you say you have to close the window, you don't actually have to like disconnect. No, 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 no. I wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't well, leave the server. Um, I'd have to close the window in that in the software. And how long does it take to restart? Oh, just it's just it's just a window, just a couple seconds. Okay. Mm-hmm. So only minutes of your life have been wasted yes. on this, not hours. Yes. I've so. gotten really good at making sure I don't just put a decimal point in a little box. <laughs> and so I, sh- I should preface here, because we've talked about this many times before. <laughs> There's a lot of things I would like to see truly automated in the world. And as much as I love you having a job, and I appreciate your contribution to the household... <laughs> I sort of feel like your own software is telling you it doesn't want a human to be involved <laughs> because if you, if it notices before you've even left the page, Hey, you didn't put a number in there. That means it's already kind of like fact checking you. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. if maybe some kind of machine was filling in these columns, <laughs> those sorts of hand typed errors would not happen. Right. Which is fine. You can tell me that I like put a decimal point in and nothing else, but don't break. Could you let me just go back and put in the number that's supposed to be correct? So here's a crucial question. Um, is, this, is this software auto-saving as you go along? What do you mean? I mean, say there's 10 boxes on the screen you have to put numbers into. Oh, and then I do a decimal point? On like box number nine. Oh, I'd be screwed. You'd have to restart. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Can you save as you're going along? Well, you save each entry or like um, each like payment for a patient. Like so you you save it every time. But if you're in that patient and you're putting in a payment and you screw up. And one patient might have multiple lines. Oh, yes. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you could get to box number nine Mm -hmm. and then lose everything you did. Mm hmm. Okay. That's why I got really good at trying not to put just a decimal point in a box. So, but I'm, it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes there's no error. Yeah, sometimes yeah, sometimes an error comes the little error window comes up, but then you can go back and put in a number and it's fine. I don't know why. Okay. All right. Um I don't I'm not the kind of person who grinds their teeth, but I feel like this is the sort of thing <laughs> that would get me to start grinding my teeth. Yeah, because you then it's not like cuz you know, it's I can't fix the problem, obviously. It's coding. Right. So if I can know that something happens consistently, then I can learn to just not do that again. But sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. So I'm just like, well, I'm just going to be careful because yeah, that's better safe than sorry, so I don't have to close my window. <laughs> Which is like an abusive relationship because you're like, well, I, I don't want to talk about politics because, you know, after the software has been drinking, sometimes yeah. it just goes into a rage. Yeah. The, a lot of it happens a lot. I have learned like if I'm working with an image with a payment, it's a whole different story because if I go into the patient account and I do a certain thing, then the image breaks. So then I have to close everything and then go back in and, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I That's okay. I'm trying to fight the teeth grinding. <laughs> so so explain this to me. So you're you have the payments you have to enter. And yep, you, I have the image. And you have an image of the 
the check or whatever. Of the EOB, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in what way does it break? The image just, there's a big red X that shows up. Like the page just disappears. Like midway through. Yes, like if I have to go, like I have an image, you know, I have my image window, I have payment window, and then I'm like, oh, I have to go into this patient's account. So I'll go into the account, and I go into another window, and it's like, oh, I got to do this one thing. Well, once I click it, then a whole bunch of error messages come up. So content that was already loaded. Yes. And that you were already looking at, but you had the audacity to continue (laughs) using the software, it then spazzes out on you. Yeah. And so then you just have to close everything. Yep. How how, how many steps back out of the house do you have to take to get the image (laughs) up? Four. You just have to close the window. You have to disconnect from the server. I have to close. No, no, no. I never, I rarely ever have to get out of the server. I I rarely ever have to exit the actual software. I would kill myself if that happened. (laughs) You're right. Oh, funny you should say that. There is something that makes you have to do that, isn't there? I think it has something to do with the monitors. Fortunately, that doesn't happen often enough that I see you like throwing a belt over the rafter. But the monitors? Yeah, if uh, like if your monitor goes to sleep or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, ex- explain that whole series of steps that leads to that breaking. So the one server I log into is the actual work server where all the files are loaded of what I need to work on. After This is part is fine. After an hour, if there's an activity, it'll log you out. Which is fine. That's fair. Like, you don't know what's going on. Well, then that screws everything up because when I log back in, some of the drives are missing. Oh, like a mounted, so there's like a D and an E drive or whatever, and they're just gone. Yep. That's cool. It's good. So I have to kind of do that about two, three times within the span of 10 minutes. Okay. There's (laughs) there's that clenched jaw feeling coming in. So it's not enough to just re-log into the server. You have to then check to see if the drives are there. Yes. And if they're not, you got to log completely out. Uh-huh. Wait a few minutes and like, then log back in. Uh. <laughs> so I don't know whose fault that is. I don't know if it's because be- I'm just remote or if it's their end. Like, I have no clue. So this is this is the... The perspective rebalancing episode of Flipping Tables, <laughs> where the next time my phone or my tablet or my laptop does something that I'm like, ah, oh, that was a minor annoyance that has only happened once in like multiple months, <laughs> I just have to remind myself, like, yeah, it could be a lot worse. Oh yeah. Yep. So, so I mean, I'm I like I couldn't do your job, like I'm no, I, <laughs> not I just, with this software. Yeah, I just I wouldn't be able to to tolerate it it'd be like if you got hired as a ditch digger and they were like here's a spoon also it's a plastic spoon and if it breaks we may not have others for you to use in its place yeah you gotta wait 10 minutes Mm -hmm. you gotta walk back get another spoon and then walk back to where you were digging so the that last one the truly awful one that sounds like it's a little bit more tied to you being remote i think so and um has there been any so you you've been at this particular job for a while now a few years has the software gotten any better over time has it gotten worse it hasn't gotten worse i'm pretty sure they finally upgraded to windows 10 or okay. whatever the newest server os is uh you know i actually don't know how that works with server 
I don't yeah. know if Windows 10 is also the server edition of Windows. It's probably not. No. Because Windows, Microsoft tends to not have that level of clarity and yeah. product <laughs> focus. Maybe one day. Yeah, but it was... they. I know they upgraded to the newest Windows for servers. It still acts the same. Yeah, I mean, Windows Server is actually a fairly solid product. Mm-hmm. So I would be very... Sh- unless you were on Windows Server, like... 98 mm-hmm. like i'd be re- or nt or whatever the first one was <laughs> i would be really shocked to find out that that was what cured all your woes it's way more likely that all the issues are in the specific application you're using mm-hmm. or in a god awful configuration of the server which is again also kind of unlikely yeah that kind of stuff is just not that you, like, you don't mess with it. It's like set and forget. Yeah. Like, okay, the servers are running. Now we're not going to mess with them until they break. Whereas poorly designed software is terrible every day. Yeah. And they've done big updates and sometimes things got worse. They kind of get better. Like, <laughs> <laughs> things have been more automated. Um, so it's been more smooth, but the kinks and the little glitches are still there. So just it breaks in a more graceful like there's maybe a cute animation when it breaks. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It breaks faster. Faster, stronger bugs. No, there was there was a time when um and this was definitely the fault of the the software um where you couldn't import PDF files that we needed. As in, you can import some PDFs, but not others? We just couldn't. Like, there was just some bug that would not allow us to do that. <laughs> um, they fixed it. Thank God. But <laughs> it was it was pretty awful. So, whenever I hear about software like this, because, I mean, I'm very firmly rooted in the the modern whiny, like everything is so close to perfect that we're having to find little nitpicky things to complain about all the time. Cause God forbid we'd be happy. But whenever I hear about software like this, my, my gut reaction is like, well, here's where I can make my fortune. <laughs> I just need to find some developers or become a better developer myself. And like, this is how I'll make my fortune. But then I have to just ask the question, why isn't someone else making their fortune on this? And the answer is probably because there is not a fortune to be made. Oh, no, that's super expensive software. I mean, like I said, I've worked with software that that was pretty decent. There were only like a couple little glitches and little nuances that's like that was annoying, but you can, you know, get through it because the problem is that this software is being demanded of many different things. Oh, that's trying to be everything to everyone. Yes. Right. So that's that one never of the, works. No. I mean, that's one of the biggest problems. That's why I've always encountered like certain little glitches, but they never used to be a huge problem. It's like, oh, well, it's because of this other thing that they want of the software. Well, and th- this is why, in my mind, an uh, operating system and individual applications are fundamentally different because... The operating system kind of doesn't do anything. Like it gives you access to the hardware and it gives you like a computing platform to build on. But like the calculator app that ships with Windows and like the Notepad app, like those are independent software packages 
that run on Windows, but they are not part of Windows. They're mm-hmm. not part of what makes Windows function. Right. So with what you're talking about, I think it may be very expensive, but you're talking about a not gigantic group of potential customers. The The business term is addressable market. The addressable market is not overwhelmingly large. It's not like Facebook can sell ads to every single human being connected to the internet, right? There's only, even if there were a thousand companies that, that needed this software, that's still not that big, right? I mean, imagine if you sold a product that there were only a thousand human beings that you could sell it to. And then the other part of it is um, medicine, the medical field, and correct me if I'm mistaken, uh, not big on change, no. <laughs> yeah. we're, I mean, we're finally doing the electronic medical records. Like, Yeah, after they've existed for like the better part of two decades <laughs> or longer. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be hard to invest all of the upfront cost into building this product for such a small addressable market to then go and have them be like, no, we don't want to change. Also, you're a newcomer, which freaks us out. Like, we only want to deal with incumbents. So, really, what we need to do (laughs) is get some, like, Portland, Silicon Valley, Silicon Slopes, New York, Boston, like, hipster startup coders to go work for these companies that already make this software and just make it not suck. Because it's it's probably easier to do that than to break into this market. Probably. Okay, so here's your job opportunity, hipster <laughs> coders. Go take your Rubies and your Pythons and your Node.js's <laughs> and go make medical billing not suck. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with one where they're actually, um, it's one, it was one company, but they had like a few different software apps to make things work and they were all integrated with each other. Right. Yeah, that's not a bad way to do it. Yeah, like there was a like an appointments app and then there was like a patient's account app, if I remember correctly. So like you dealt with all the patient billing stuff in the patient app and then you would do all the scheduling in the appointment app, but then they'd be all connected. Right. Yeah, which is like a far more serviceable way to handle things that are related but different. Yeah. Um this is why, for a long time, uh, the suite of of Office tools, like Microsoft Office, has been so dominant because Word by itself is a fairly hefty app, mm-hmm. and Excel by itself is a fairly hefty app, and PowerPoint by itself is a fairly hefty app. And if you try to do all of those in one interface, so now you need... <laughs> giant menus and huge like ribbons upon ribbons of buttons because it's like oh well those buttons are only for slides i'm writing a term paper but i also have all these buttons for slides and spreadsheets and like so it's just it's it's not a good way to live your life and (laughs) and the kinds of buttons and interface you need in front of you when you're scheduling an appointment are really different than the kinds of buttons and things you need in front of you when you're like issuing a payment right right so you can break those apart. Definitely. And that's one of the things is like um, the higher ups want to run a certain report at the end of the month, let's say. Well, then you know what? That slows everybody down. Yeah, because there's the one <gasps> database yes. that everybody's talking to. 
Yeah, this is uh, these are known problems mm-hmm. that most modern applications. It's not that they're brilliant; it's that they were able to learn from the failures and the shortcomings of their predecessors and say, what if we did something different? What we do will probably have other problems, but if we're specifically designing it around solving this problem, hopefully it won't have that problem. Um, And then, you know, then we get other problems. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about something (laughs) positive-ish. It's a rumor. And then we get back to more nitpicking. Um, Thank you for sharing that, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so Google Play, uh, I have said many, 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 many times that uh, the only true shortcoming of digital, other than DRM, which, I mean, everybody hates DRM, is sharing, right? Mm-hmm. And DRM and sharing kind of go hand yeah. in hand. Uh, Amazon has made huge strides in this arena. Um, you and I can share books. We can also share audiobooks. Uh, we can also share video because um, we are in a prime family. Uh, so that's cool. Like it, that's one of the reasons we still buy certain things from Amazon. Like we just bought some some TV show stuff mm-hmm. um, because we want to be able to share it uh, with each other and and all those blah, whatever. So uh, Apple, I know, has made like a little bit of inroads in this area, but it's still I'm not totally clear on exactly how it works. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to buy stuff from Apple, like videos and things, you're roped into Apple services and devices, which is fine. But we are a Google family. We are. I've been waiting for Google to finally say, hey, what if you could share things? And it turns out someone uh, tore down the latest APK of Google Play services, and family sharing is really obviously in there. Now, this hasn't been confirmed. It hasn't been announced. um, But this particular site, which I linked to in the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 92, are they're very reliable they always say up front like listen this is just conjecture we don't have any proof and uh it's it's pretty convincing evidence though like there's literally fields called like share with family and like create family like add to family so little things like it's like what else would that be (laughs) it's code (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a secret message um so i'm I'm looking at this and, you know, last week we talked about YouTube Red and Google Play Music. And to me, I now realize like this is this is the tiny gust of wind that it's going to take to knock me off the cliff. (laughs) If Google adds sharing and I only have to be able to share stuff with you, but it'd be nice if it was like up to four accounts. Yeah, definitely. You know, so like when our kids are older, but if they add sharing, that's I'm pretty much going to be all in. Because we already, our TVs don't have Apple TVs, they have Chromecast. You know, we have Android phones, and I use Google services for everything, including my job. Like, I have a whole job Google account and a personal one. And, and like, a lot of our, our, our Sunrise Robot stuff is run off of Google. I mean, I have Google spreadsheet in front of me right now with my show notes in it. Like, I'm, I'm all in. They can have all the information, build the driving cars, send the robots, whatever. <laughs> and, and this really is that last little thing because... I don't want to buy movies or books through Google services and then have them like, I'm not going to give you my Google password sure. so you can watch a movie I bought. Definitely. Like, I just, I won't. And I think it's ridiculous that we're in a place where people say like, Oh, well I have, you know, the Smith family at gmail.com mm-hmm. and that's the account we buy apps on and we buy movies on and, 
I'm like, no, that's stupid. Like, that's the dumbest way to solve yeah. this problem, technologically speaking. That's been going on for years since the internet was born or AOL was born. Ugh. <laughs> but it, I mean, there's just, there's way too much tied to your identity mm-hmm. as a person. And if you're heavily in on Google, like, so if you had my Google password, you have Android Pay on your phone, you now basically have all of my credit cards. Right. Like, I mean, you know, you're my wife. I kind of trust you, but it's the principle of the thing, goddammit. <laughs> it's, I shouldn't have to give you my entire king, like the keys to the whole kingdom, so you can watch like a movie that we bought for our daughter. Right. right? Like it's just really awkward. So they've, they've added this, and I decided even if it's just um, media, so books, TV shows, music, that is good enough. Um, I don't really, it would be cool if we could share apps. Like if I could buy an app and then you could also install it. But a lot of apps that I really like and I use every day are made by small indie developers. And I would rather you also pay the $5, you know, to have a copy of that app to support that developer. What I don't need to do is give a giant multi-million dollar studio $15 and then have you give them $15 (laughs) so we each have a copy of the movie. That's not the same thing. It is in no way the same thing. Well, and some apps, I'm not saying all, but some apps are, you know, have a use. You know, like if I don't need it, then why would you share that with me? Like I'll get it when I need it. Like a podcatcher. There you go. <laughs> right. But I mean, like, so I, I talk a pocket cast all the time. Um, it's, I think it's five bucks mm-hmm. for the, or three. I don't know. It's been, I bought it years ago and I've never switched. So, um, but if I could share that with you, cause I think it's a great piece of software, I would rather you just also spend $5 mm-hmm. to keep, cause the company is like a handful of people in Australia. Right. Like they need that $5. If I buy a Disney movie, Disney doesn't need $30 from me. <laughs> they can get by with just 15 And especially when you consider like, because an app is is like a, oh man, I can't think of a good term for it. But like I'm using software and you're using software. Like you have it installed and you're listening to your podcast and I have it installed and I'm listening to my podcast. But media isn't like that. Yeah. Like even if it's something like a physical book where you read it and then when you're done, you hand it to me and I read it. Like, it, you, you're you not waiting for me to give it back to you, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, like, installed software that is, like, a tool or a utility you use, like, you may need to use that for, like, a minute or two every day mm-hmm. or for, like, 30 minutes a couple times a week. But a movie is, like, well, we're going to sit down together and watch the movie. Right. So why do I need to own two copies mm-hmm. if we're only going to ever watch it on the same couch, on the same screen at right. the same time? In one family. Yeah. Yeah. So I, just, I agree. <laughs> I, I feel like this is, it's been a long time coming. I hope it's coming soon. Cause I mean, again, this is all rumor and conjecture. But it'd be a great rumor if it came true. And, and I, as much as I love Amazon, um, I would switch all of my media buying, which admittedly is not that much guys. Don't freak out. <laughs> you're, you're not losing thousands of dollars here, but I would switch all of my media buying to Google. Yeah. If I could, because I like Google services. I like the Chromecast. I'm sure the Amazon Fire TV is da- great, but I already have Chromecast. I don't want to switch. Like, I am happy with what I have. So I'd be happy to just consolidate that under one corporate overlord umbrella. Yeah, I mean, consolidating is good. It's like less stuff to think about. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, until you get the giant monolithic application that does nothing well and everything breaks. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are a ton of medical billing, medical software out there. So they just, they chose poorly. (laughs) So, and I mean, we were talking about this, I think, and this makes me a crappy consumer because I'm prioritizing my convenience over like what's right for the industry. But I only buy electronic books that are Kindle books. Mm -hmm. And even the libraries that we have around here have partnered with the Kindle lending library. Mm -hmm. So most of my, the the e-library books I check out are still Kindle books. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would be totally fine continuing to buy my books from Amazon because I'm also reading them on a dedicated Amazon device. Right. And the book sharing is already good. And you also have a dedicated Amazon reading device. Well, they have like really good perks to go with that. They have WhisperSync, right? Which is amazing. Um, they have a deal where if you buy a Kindle book, then the audiobook that goes with it is reduced price. Seriously reduced, yeah. Because audiobooks can be like forty or fifty dollars. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, that that's a huge advantage because they want you to use WhisperSync. So. Right. But I would, I would not start buying books from Google all of a sudden, because even if I could share them with you, I want to read on a Kindle. Mm-hmm. I don't want to read on my laptop or on my phone or on an iPad. I want to read a book on a Kindle. Same. Um, I've read stuff on screens before. I'm actually pretty okay with it, but you cannot deny the superior experience oh, no, of it's, a Kindle. So much better. It's better. <laughs> so, um, you know, that would be, I guess, a nice media split. But really what needs to happen is... Books and movies need to accept what happened with music all those years ago and just become DRM free. Mm -hmm. Like even Apple took the DRM off their music. Apple guys. Thank God. If Apple could say like, we trust you not to throw this all up on Napster and torrents and stuff. Amazon can relax with the books, (laughs) you know? And yeah, Amazon has their, as far as DRM goes, I would say they're about as good as steam. Because like a lot of people don't realize Steam games are still deeply steeped in DRM, mm. but it's Steam DRM. But Steam is such a good experience, you don't want to play anywhere else. <laughs> and that's how I feel about the Kindle like as a physical device. And, and Amazon's way of being fair is they're like, oh, you want to read on your laptop? Here's a cloud app. Oh, you want to read on your phone? Here's a phone app. Oh, you want to read on an iPad or an Android tablet? Here's an app for those size screens. Like they really, even though they don't let you take your books into a different application, they did compromise by saying, well, we'll just put an application everywhere. Yeah. And they make it really easy once you download the app. It's not the same it's still a walled garden. It's just that the walls are far enough away that you don't feel closed in. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, that's the way I read comics is on a tablet since it's color. Sure. You know? Yeah. And actually, you know, the comic experience is not that bad in nope. the Kindle app. It, like, blows up mm-hmm. the frame. Yep. It, and, like, it, the others, like, it dims them. Mm-hmm. It, it's not bad. Yep. I haven't read a lot of comics that way, but I was like, No, you can I zoom in on a frame. Yeah. And you can actually swipe frame by frame if right, you wanted right, right. to. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, so I still want uh, ebooks to eventually go DRM free. Mm-hmm. Um, and movies, movies actually bothers me more. Even though I buy more books and audiobooks than I do um, movie purchases, digital movie purchases, it really irritates me that like 
we bought a handful of episodes of Better Call Saul. Right. Not all of them, because some of them we were able to stream for free. So we have like six of the ten episodes or something. But if I want to watch those on a TV that doesn't have a device that has Amazon on it, then I, I just can't. Right. I mean, I could plug my laptop in, I guess, and do like an HDMI screen sharing, but that just feels dumb. Like, I should be able to just take that movie that I paid money for, or the TV episode, I guess, <laughs> but I should be able to take that video file and say, take this video file that I own and play it on that screen that I own. Like, that should not be a complicated or difficult thing that I am legally prohibited from doing. Mm-hmm. Well, that was um, with Disney movies. Nowadays, they package them where it's like you can ha- you can buy it where it's the Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy, you know. But with the digital copy, you can only watch it on one device. Whatever device that you activate that code is where you watch it. Um, I think that has improved. Okay. Because that yes. was the last time I checked. It was so, awful. So Disney has done at least three versions of digital copies that I know of. Um, one of them, and I don't remember which one was first out of these two, but one of them was they used a third-party service, oh. um, I think called Ultraviolet or Voodoo or something. That may have been first. Yeah, they used some service to hand, they like outsource their mm-hmm. digital stuff. Then they did the DRM locked version you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, which it was like, okay, this movie's on this iPad now. It's on this iPad forever. Only. Yeah. Like I can never <laughs> watch it on my laptop because mm-hmm. it's now on this iPad. Um, and the way they're doing it now is uh, this Disney movies anywhere. So you, you buy oh, a movie, right. right. You buy a movie that has the digital version and you go to Disney Movies Anywhere and you enter the code and then that attaches it to your account, which still means only like my Disney Movies Anywhere account can watch it. But they're taking small steps outside of the crazy zone because you can connect other accounts. Okay. So like I've connected my Google Play account. So if I'm sitting in the living room with our daughter and I want to watch uh, tangled. Mm-hmm. Like I can open Google, not open the Disney app. I can open Google and it can see all of my Disney movies. Okay. And then I can say, okay, play go, you know, Chromecast this Disney movie right. that Google knows about. And it's like, it seems like so many links in the chain, but it's like, yeah, that's how it should work because Google didn't make the movie. They made the software and they, in this case, they happen to also make the hardware and, I want to take a movie that I paid money for and play it on whatever screen I want to freaking watch it on. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to own a Disney branded monitor <laughs> w- that uses Disney cast, which is only works for Disney movies. Right. Like I just, I don't want that. And I mean with Google, I'm willing to go all in with Google strictly because they don't really produce content. That's true. And this, this always changes eventually. Right, like Amazon didn't use to produce stuff, and now they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but Google has historically been better about being a little bit more open, a little bit more standards compliant. Um, so if there's an Amazon show that I want to watch, they're probably not going to let that be on Google. But if any other like non-direct competitor, like Universal Studios or whoever, like sure. I'm going to be able to watch that on Google, like because they they're a content creator, and Google is a technology provider. Um, I don't think Amazon's going to ever. D- what was the their big show recently? Amazon? Yeah. 
Transparent? That one. Okay. Yeah, they're probably never going to let that on the Netflix. Sure. Netflix is probably never going to let Orange is the New Black onto, you know, Google Play. But, <laughs> you know, for those things, I can understand. Like, yeah, you don't you don't sell your goods in the neighbor's store. Sure. Um, that being said, I think... You, you want to talk about this Amazon bookstore thing? Oh, yeah, really quickly. We can. <laughs> okay. So I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were on a schedule. Oh, no. I just figured, like... <laughs> I don't know. Are you in a hurry? <laughs> yeah, this is this is such a great transition. I, I I I can't give away that segue. No, no, that's a good transition. <laughs> so uh, Amazon, in their their home state of Washington, they have opened Amazon Books, which is an honest to god brick and mortar bookstore that sells Amazon stuff and also books. Um, and it, there's a review that's in the show notes and. I'm I'm a little put off by the Did you get a chance to read that whole article? No. Okay, so the the person they went to the store, they took a lot of lovely photos and and they're discussing the experience and I worked in two bookstores. For years in college, I worked in bookstores, um large ones. Uh you know, exactly the kind everybody is pissy that Amazon put out of business. They sucked. All of our customers hated us. And it was terrible. So you only have yourselves to blame, book lovers, because we were there and you weren't bringing us any of your money. So this Amazon Books bookstore, or I think it's just Amazon Books. But anyway, um, of course, all of the music in the store can be purchased on Amazon Music. They won't play anything over the radio that you can't buy from Amazon Music. All of the books, of course, can also be purchased on Amazon. Uh, One of the store clerks made it a point of saying... Oh, if we don't have a book in stock, unlike an old-fashioned bookstore, you don't have to special order it. You can just order it on Amazon. And part of me is like, come on. Can we just call a spade a spade? Like, that is literally what a special order is. It's not here in front of me, so <sighs> I'm I'm ordering it. Yeah. Just because you're going to ship it directly to my house and the process has been streamlined, that's still basically what a special order is. Yeah. Like, you figure they're like scanny thingy where like you don't even have to like type in the product like you just point to the product and then it's like you buy it and then it ships to your house funny you should say that (laughs) so so one of the things that the this reviewer was very aware of is when you go into this store um they have uh done a lot to automate it so I know you don't frequent the apple store a lot but one of the things that apple you know, people in the Apple ecosystem really like is if a item is under a certain value and the value is fairly high, I think it's like a hundred or a couple hundred dollars. If an item's under a certain value, you can walk into an Apple store with your iPhone, point it at the thing. It bills the, your Apple pay. And then you literally just walk out with it. Nice. You get a digital receipt. Nobody tries to stop you. Like they just assume you probably did it right. Mm -hmm. And the markup on those things is so high anyway that, even if theft was rampant, it still wouldn't be a big loss for them. Um, and because it's such a tremendous customer experience, you know, if you have to buy a bunch of dongles or cable or some stupid whatever, like it's so nice to be able to just walk into a store and and it's like you're picking it up off the shelf in your basement. You're like, yeah. oh, here's my extra lightning cable, and you just walk away. This is how Amazon has set up their store. Uh. It, the whole store uh, they build it in this review is it's an ad for the Amazon app oh. because that's how you check out. Mm-hmm. That's how you find stuff. Here's the weird thing. That's how you check the price of a book. 
on the app? Yes, because a physical book typically does not sell on Amazon for what it is printed on the dust jacket. Right. Well, there are not prices listed in the store because Amazon changes their prices literally thousands Mm -hmm. of times a day. So you have to scan the book to find out what they're actually going to charge you for it, which is kind of a little clunky. Yeah. Right? I mean, even Kohl's has digital signs. I was going to say that they have the technology to like have it update automatically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- this is, they chose an, a weird way to solve this problem. Um, but some of the other things that the this reviewer complained about that I thought was like kind of crappy was they were like, oh, you know, they, of course they can't have every book. It's book. They all, the only books they have in there are ones that are highly rated on Amazon. And so it's, it's the whole point is that it's a curated experience. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, I used to work in a bookstore and well, yeah, I was going to say most yeah, stores, do we, this. we gave a lot more shelf space to Harry Potter than we did to like, you know, photos of bridges from Madison <laughs> County. Like, I'm not saying that book wasn't in the store, but we maybe had like one of it mm-hmm. and we had shelves and shelves and shelves of Harry Potter. So yeah, we had a curated experience based on the books that were the most likely to sell. That's called a store, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that that just feels weirdly nitpicky to say like, oh, Amazon's doing this. It's like, yeah, it's a store. Um, and then they also said that if oh, the, there were tables everywhere with like Amazon fires and you know, Amazon Echoes. And I'm like, yeah. Have you mm-hmm. ever been in a bookstore? <laughs> like, we had crap everywhere. Yep. The the um, borders that I used to work in, we had an entire section that was just crappy, like 15-year-old gadgets. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, 128 meg USB keys and <laughs> and like little crappy portable DVD players that were triple the price they were anywhere else. Like, it's a bookstore. What do we have all that crap for? It's just taking up shelf space. This was also a place where we had one lone. Uh, this is not related in any way. It's just funny. <laughs> okay. Behind the counter, we had one box set of all the Friends seasons. Nice. It was in. So, you know, each season was in like a colored box mm-hmm. um, that you could buy individually. And then that was all in a giant box that had, I think, like the New York skyline, mm, like cut yeah, into I've the seen plastic. Yeah, before. Yeah. Um, you could buy the individual seasons for, let's say, $30 a piece. Mm-hmm. And there's 10 seasons, so you would expect the box set to cost somewhere around $300. We were selling it for like 50% markup. <laughs> I'm like, we don't get that money. Yeah. Like, That's it's funny. The price is set by the vendor. Mm-hmm. Why is the vendor screwing themselves out of a sale? No one's ever going to buy this. <laughs> That's why the one lone display copy is behind the counter. <sighs> so I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this whole thing with Amazon Books is it's a gimmick. I think so. I mean, it sounds kind of silly and ridiculous. The whole point of Amazon is that they're just online and really convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to a store. I mean, I like going shopping i like going to a store but when it comes to most things i can get it on amazon well and i think it actually sends a mixed message from amazon to say oh you don't need a physical book buy it on kindle 
oh, you want to flip through the first few pages? You can do that right on Amazon.com. Like, you can open the book. Not every book lets you do it, but it's not a technological limitation. It's the publishers. Mm-hmm. You know, so, oh, you want to flip through and see the chapter headings or something? Yeah, go ahead. Digitally open it up and, and get through there. Um, I don't know why they would want to act like, oh, look at how easy it is digitally, and then at the same time be like, Remember those bookstores we put out of business? (laughs) Um, We're going to do that. I mean, I think they realize that people still like going to stores. So they're trying to bring that market in for people who just like to shop, who like to go into stores and window shop and maybe snag those people. They'll see something and like, oh, I want to get that. And then hopefully they'll use the app or something. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's. It, it's another way to try and funnel people into the Amazon experience and, mm-hmm. you know, oh, while you're here buying Fifty Shades of Grey and The Hobbit, you should also get a Fire TV and you should get a Prime subscription mm-hmm. so you can watch Better Call Saul when yeah. you know it's streaming. And I mean, I, I get the funnel idea, but it just, I'm surprised they were willing to take a chance on what is easy. I mean, there's only one store. Yeah, But when you figure the building, the staff, even if there's only a couple of people in the store because the whole thing's automated. Um, I'm sure there's like a skeleton crew. Sure. And, and you know, to even if they bought a building or they're renting it and, and, and they had to design the layout and they had to design signs and all these things they have never needed. And if this fails, we'll never need again. Mm-hmm. Like this is easily a multi, multi-million dollar gamble. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's just Jeff Bezos. It's like just how he just, <laughs> I mean, really, if you ever need an interesting biography, read the everything store. Um, yeah. cause he is crazy. pants. <laughs> that's what you say. So if, if there was an Amazon bookstore, since you already buy a lot of Kindle books and stuff, would you ever bother to go? Do you see any reason to go? No, just totally like, meh. no, I would, I would not go. <laughs> I, because like books, the, the text is really the most important thing, and I can get that online this is with what a I've preview, been saying. you know. And then even with music, they give you a little preview of what the music, the song sounds like before you purchase it. So I don't even oh, have to yeah. take a look at that. And, yeah, and who wants to put on those scummy stores? Yeah, oh no, not yeah. me. And there's all, there, <laughs> and they never work. <laughs> there's always only like ten CDs in there because mm-hmm. there's literally a disc changer yeah. that's run. Oh my god. Yeah. How did we deal with things when they were physical <laughs> objects? Could somebody just put my brain in a computer, please? Yeah, I mean, the only I would want to go to a store to like look at furniture. You know, like go to IKEA. Yeah, actually see what the couch feels yeah. like or how big the dresser yeah, is. Yeah. Exactly. Or clothes is a huge thing. Like I want to go to a store and like touch it and try it on, you know, and shoes. Like I want to touch it and try it on. But the stuff that I get from Amazon, it usually doesn't require that much effort. Yeah. Well, and they've also taken out the the concern by free return shipping. Yeah. You know, so if you buy something and you thought it was, well, like we just bought a humidifier for Emily's room, mm-hmm. you know, say for whatever reason, we thought that that would work in like a 20 by 20 room with cathedral ceilings. <laughs> and then it shows up and we're like, oh no, this is for a small size bedroom. Right. You just go on Amazon and you open up the chat and you're like, I'm an idiot. Let me send this back for free. And then you send me the right one and they go, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely, oh, no, ma'am, right away. It's a great experience where I've like had to they made a mistake on an order i 
I had, and I was like, "Hey, you screwed up." And because it was like so cheap, they're like, oh, "Don't even bother." They just gave me back my money. <laughs> yeah, because if it's a two dollar item, mm-hmm. they're like, "We will literally lose money on the return right. shipping. It's just yours now." Yeah, yeah. I well, I just had a. Now we sound like shills for Amazon, but <laughs> <laughs> I just had an experience with them where a product I had bought um, was on sale, but because of the kind of sale it was oh. on. <laughs> They weren't going to honor the price difference. And so I just very calmly, I was in the text chat. I love their chat support because I don't actually have to talk to anybody. I I very calmly said to this person, uh, listen, I am still within the return window for this product. Please do not make me send this back to you and then buy another one at the cheaper price because you will lose money more than you would lose just doing the price match. And I I will do this just like on principle. Don't make me do this. Don't make me screw you out of $50 when you really only owe me 10 Just match your own price, please. And the, the I think it was a guy I was talking to. He just was like, you know, let me put you on hold. I, he was like, I we're not supposed to do this because it's this special kind of sale where we don't normally match the price. But you're right. You could just screw us by returning it and then buying another one. And he put me on hold and he kept apologizing. He's like, I'm sorry, it's taking so long. I'm trying to get a hold of my manager. And I was like, no, it's absolutely fine. Like, take all the time you need. And then he just came back and he was like, we're just going to give you the $10. <laughs> I was like, good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for not like, th- thank you for just behaving logically. Mm-hmm. Like, and just basically admit is, admitting your policy was kind of silly. So I don't know, maybe this is what Amazon needs to do. Don't open a stupid bookstore. Open a clothing store. Yep. <laughs> open a furniture store. Yep. Open a store that sells a kind of product I still need to like touch or see or hold yes. or try on. I think that would be a and, lot better. Yeah. And bring your level of amazing customer service to the physical store mm-hmm. in a way that is useful. I really don't want any more physical books. I, that part of my life is over. <laughs> so come on. This uh, this has got to be uh, multi million idea number three or four. <laughs> we have just handed to Amazon. <sighs> I assume Jeff Bezos listens. We should get like royalties and stuff now, right? <laughs> I, I would just like a thumbs up, and yes, we're going to do that. Yeah, like I would just be happy for these things to exist <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> yep. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Yes. You can find the show notes for this episode as always at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash ninety two. We do love feedback here. You can find me most easily on Twitter at Lions in Beta. And Sue, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Rudy Kaicho. That's R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. And you can also find me on Goodreads. I am really active there. Um, and it's a great place to talk about books. And I'll be under Sue Lyons. Or you can go to our Eclectic Readers page, um, goodreads.com slash eclecticreaders, where... You can talk about all the books that we've read in our book club. And speaking of that, there's so Eclectic Readers Book Club, the show here on yep. Sunrise Robot. It's a monthly show. Yes, it is. Right, So people have time to read the book. Yes. And you have a new episode coming out. We do. We have a new episode coming out. Um, a new episode comes out the 15th of every month. So we have a new episode coming out on Sunday, November 15th. And we have a huge announcement to make then. So make sure to listen in to hear what that great announcement is. You and and what was the book for this month? Uh, it was Gollum and the Ginny. Okay, so if you're behind, 
Go to Amazon. We don't get credit for this. Just go buy the Kindle book. <laughs> do the whisper sync into the audio book. You still got time. Is it, was it a super long read? It's like 400 pages. Eh. <laughs> Our listeners are smart. They could plow through that. Oh, yeah. I mean, audio book and reading, reading the book, you can totally do it in a few days. <laughs> yeah, so by the time you guys are here in this episode, you'll have about five days to read the book. So <laughs> hurry up. Chop, chop. Um, if you want to support us, um, we do need supportive listeners like you. Uh, the easiest thing you can do is just go leave a rating or a review in iTunes. Um, like we've always said, they're still kind of the center of the podcast universe. And leaving ratings and reviews helps uh, bring the show up and helps surface it so other people can find it. And then if you want to go the extra step, you can actually support us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And depending on the level you support us at, you might actually get your name shouted out at the end of the show. And with that, I want to give a special thanks to Bruce Edwards, Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, and Christoph Cunningham. We love all of you. We could not do it without you. See you next week. Bye.